Wednesday, July 31st, 2013, episode number 55 of Football Nation Today with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. Welcome inside episode number 55 of the Football Nation Today podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer, here on this Wednesday, July 31st, a day that is typically synonymous with baseball, as today is the non-waiver trade deadline. We will see if any deals of significance go down today. Of course, in the two-wildcard format, not a lot of teams consider themselves to be out of playoff contention, so there may be fewer sellers than usual this season, but... A lot of significant news has been going down across NFL training camps over the past week plus, including three potentially devastating injuries. Percy Harvin, Dennis Pitta, and Jeremy Macklin all suffered significant injuries last week. We'll talk about which one of the three major injuries is the biggest bummer and which one of three players is the biggest loss for his team. We'll also talk about the Matt Ryan contract extension. The Falcons and Ryan agreed to a five-year $103 million contract late last week with $59 million guaranteed. We'll put that deal in context with the other quarterback extensions that have been signed this offseason. And we'll also talk about some expectations facing Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming season following their NFC title berth from a year ago. Then in the second down segment, we typically talk about one of the bigger off-field NFL stories of the past week. This week, we're switching it up just a little bit. We're looking at Johnny Manziel, who plays in college football right now with Texas A&M, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. But next year at this time, Manziel will be in an NFL training camp, so it kind of ties in. And to be honest with you folks, I have a lot to get off my chest about Johnny Manziel, who is apparently throwing his life away and self-destructing before our eyes like he's Amanda Bynes or Britney Spears. Oh, Oh, wait a minute. You mean he's a 20-year-old kid who likes to go out and have a good time? Huh. Oh, I thought he was doing something catastrophic. At least that's what you would think if you listen to most members of the sports media. My God, it's beyond embarrassing what they're doing to this guy. And I'll tell you what it says about our media culture in the year 2013. And it says nothing good about it. I'll tell you that. So I have a lot to get off my chest about Manziel and just how sickening it is the way this kid has been covered over the past number of months. Unbelievable. Then the third down segment, it's the big upper slowdown segment, taking a look at stories such as Adrian Peterson calling BS on players who are complaining about leg pads. We'll talk about whether those players have a legitimate gripe and whether leg pads will slow them down in the field this season. Jets coach Rex Ryan said Ricky cornerback D. Milner is never going to be Darrell Revis. Was that a rare, smart move by Rexy at the podium? Downplaying expectations? At the, by this time here, he's usually said the Jets are going to the Super Bowl at least a half dozen times. So we'll uh, talk about that and Rex Ryan's performance at the podium in the early days of training camp. And Cleveland Browns offensive lineman Joe Thomas has some strong comments this week saying, playing for a loser is drudgery. He said nobody wants to play for a 4-12 and team. And we'll talk about whether or not Thomas's comments are out of line. Speaking of out of line, in the fourth down segment, it's a Rima rant. Going back to Adrian Peterson, I think he was out of line this week. 
when he said he would break Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record by week, by week 16 of 2017. AP, what are you doing? Come on. The, that's the opposite of lowering expectations. Not a wise move. Football Nation Today, episode number 55. We'll be right back. Do not go anywhere. So as I said in the opening, three potentially devastating injuries were suffered at training camp last week. Percy Harvin out with a hip injury. He tweeted yesterday he will need surgery. He will aim to return for the end of this season, but we'll see. He'll be out for the foreseeable future. Dennis Pitta out for the year due to a dislocated and fractured hip. The Ravens have already signed tight end Vasante Shanko. Signed back fullback Vontae Leach, who they released in June. And Jeremy Macklin, out for the year with an ACL injury, so the Eagles will be without his services. Three huge injuries suffered in the opening hours of training camp. Which one of these three injuries is the biggest bummer? And to me, it's Percy Harvin. The Seahawks surrendered a first, third, and seventh round picks for him, plus... Gave him a five-year ex- five extension worth $25.5 million this offseason. The Seahawks gave up a lot for Harvin in terms of talent. The three picks, a first-round pick, third-round pick, and seventh-round pick, gave him a lot of money, invested a lot in him. And now he'll be out for the duration of the season with a, hip, with a hip injury, which he will need surgery on. Now, this was risky to begin with to an extent, as Harvin has missed 10 regular season games over four seasons. But now that he'll be out, again, for the bulk of 2013, the Seahawks have to reconfigure their offensive attack. And it looks as if they're going to have to rely on on Lynch a lot, again. And Lynch is a big back. He's a physical back. I'm not saying he won't be up to the challenge. But I always think there's some intrinsic risk involved to asking a running back to take on a heavy workload in consecutive seasons. And with the acquisition of Harvin and the continued growth of Russell Wilson, I'm sure the Seahawks thought maybe this year some of the load will be taken off Lynch. They could go to a more balanced offensive attack, but with Harvin out, Marshawn Lynch may have to carry a lot of that load for a young receiving core, especially early on in the season. And Seattle may also have to rely a lot on their defense, which was very good last season, statistically one of the best in the NFL, but they seem to prove themselves a bit on quite a bit on offense, creating a more balanced, dynamic attack, adding the wide receiver Percy Harvin, who will now be out for the balance of the year with a hip injury. Now it's up to Russell Wilson to continue to mature and grow along with that young Seattle receiving core. Now, the biggest loss, all three of these injuries are big losses. You can make an argument for Harvin, but, and again, the Seahawks did make it to the NFC Divisional round last season without him. As I said, Wilson, another year in the league. Figure he'll be a little better, building off of his spectacular rookie season. Jeremy Macklin, you could certainly make a strong argument for. He led the Eagles in receptions and touchdown catches over the last four years. He's never caught fewer than 50 passes in a season, nor ever held to less than 750 yards receiving in a season. But, 
if Deshaun Jackson can step up and be a true number one, and if Jason Avant can slide in as the number two receiver, the Eagles can survive without Macklin. Plus, running backs Deshaun McCoy and Bryce Brown could be big factors in Chip Kelly's read option. Now, you saw the reports yesterday, NFL, officiate, NFL officials saying that Chip Kelly won't determine the pace of game. The referees will determine the pace of game. So maybe the NFL already throwing some cold water on the talk that Chip Kelly is going to totally reinvent the league and run this crazy offense and no one will be able to wrap their heads around the NFL saying, whoa, 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 let's not make it too crazy. Let's not make it too up-tempo because after all, we control the pace of play and our referees are not going to allow the Eagles to run an offense that they can't keep up with. So... We'll see about some of that discussion, but if Jackson can step up and finally be a true, mature, number one receiver, they get healthy seasons from McCoy and Brown in the backfield, I think the Eagles can survive without Macklin. It's a big loss, but not the biggest loss. The biggest loss would be Ravens tight end Dennis Pitta. He had 41 receptions in 2011 up to 61 receptions last season, along with seven touchdown receptions. And with Anquan Bolden gone, Pitta was likely to be Flacco's top red zone target. Jacoby Jones and Torrey Smith are still there, but they're outside receivers. The Ravens don't really have an inside guy right now. So, the burden will fall on running backs Ray Rice and Bernard Pierce. And the Ravens also have to hope young tight end Ed Dixon develops, and develops rather quickly. This is a conversation we've had throughout the majority of the offseason. In the past, I feel as if Flacco is a guy who his teammates have made better. Now, Bolden is gone, Pitt is lost for the season, the roles have reversed with the Ravens' offense. Flacco now has the responsibility as the $120 million man to make his teammates better. And I'm not sure if Flacco has, a still, has the skill level to do that. We'll see. And it's going to be all that more challenging with him this season without his safety blanket, tight end Dennis Pitta. Now, Matt Ryan, this is a huge year for him, a huge year for the Falcons organization. Ryan signed a five-year, $103 million contract extension last week, $59 million guaranteed. Some, some statistics for you. Ryan ranked fifth on Football Outsiders metrics for quarterbacks in 2012, so the sabermetricians liked him. And judging by conventional statistics, Ryan was an elite quarterback last year as well. Threw for 4,719 yards, led the league with a 68.6 completion percentage. 32 touchdown passes last season as well. He's thrown 127 touchdowns to 60 interceptions in his career, so a good TD to interception ratio. And you look at Ryan's numbers in the NFC Championship game last season, yes, his team blew a substantial lead, blew a 10-point lead in the second half, but overall, he threw for 396 yards, three touchdowns, very difficult to complain about that performance, looking back on it. But you dig a little deeper into the box score, you remember how that game went down. As I said, Falcons blew the lead, which a lot of that blame can be attributed to their defense, and rightfully so. But the offense was also shut out in the second half. 
The Falcons also blew a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter against Seattle in the divisional round last year and only came back after Ryan completed two miracle-long passes to set up a Matt Bryant game-winning field goal. So in my opinion, Matt Ryan and the Falcons still have some playoff questions to answer this season. Goes without saying, it's the biggest year of Ryan's career. Now as far as the contract goes, this is the going rate for quarterbacks. $59 million guaranteed. You look at Tony Romo, who received $55 million guaranteed. Joe Flacco, who received $52 million guaranteed. Matt Stafford, who received $41.5 million guaranteed. And looking back on it, that Stafford deal is a bargain, well below the market rate. Speaking of well below the market rate, Tom Brady, three years, $27 million extension? <laughs> Please. And remember when Brady signed that deal, there were some, what's the word, uh, contrarians out there who thought they were all smug, saying, oh, Brady didn't really take a pay cut. Whoa, whoa, he didn't take a pay cut. Anyone says that's a Patriots homer. Anyone says that's just a honk. Um, okay. Are you willing to reevaluate that opinion right now? After Romo receives $55 million guaranteed, Flacco gets 52, Stafford gets 41.5, Ryan gets 55. Are you willing to reevaluate your stance now, all you naysayers on Brady? The dude left a boatload of money on the table. I said it then, I'll say it again now. Anyone who doesn't think that is out of his mind. And is frankly just trolling for attention, because it's an asinine take. Now, some people thought I was asinine when I said Robert Griffin would be ready for week one this season. Well, as we discussed last week, he will be ready for week one. His status for the preseason is still up in the air as of this recording, and that's fine as long as he's out there practicing a little bit with his teammates. I don't know, I don't know if there's a need to get Robert Griffin in preseason games. He'll be ready for week one, though. And he'll be wearing a knee brace all season. That was announced this week. And that means this will affect the way he plays a little bit. Which is good. I don't think Robert Griffin should be as reckless. He's not just a guy who can run. He can throw with the best of them too. And if Robert Griffin became a little bit more of a pocket pastor. Just a little bit. Preserve that knee. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Not even close. So it will be fascinating to see how Robert Griffin progresses his training camp working with that knee brace. Now, in my opinion, nothing has been fascinating about this Johnny Manziel story. We're moving on to the second down segment of the show, looking at an off-field story from the past week. Now, Manziel, next year at this time, will be in an NFL training camp. He will be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft sometime next April. Uh, that is, unless he totally self-destructs like Amanda Bynes or Britney Spears or countless others failed childhood stars. My God, you'd think what this kid was up to. Let's go through the timeline here with Manziel. Because I think the timeline is important. He was arrested last June before he was chosen as Texas A&M's starting quarterback and charged with three misdemeanors, which were disorderly conduct, Failure to identify, Manziel was arrested in connection with a bar fight he and his friend got into, and he 
failed to properly identify himself to police. And he was also arrested with possession of a fake driver's license. Now, the disorderly conduct and fake ID charges were later dropped. The failure to identify charge stuck. Okay. Now, season went off without a hitch. Mandel started for Texas A&M, won the Heisman Trophy, yada, yada, yada. Since then, the media has been on a mission to fulfill the narrative that Manziel is some sort of self-destructive, reckless person who is going to throw his career away before it begins. Narrative didn't quite work out last season because Manziel won the Heisman, was arguably the best quarterback in all of college football. Arguably the best player in all of college football. Okay. So the narrative failed last year. But Manziel still liked to go out, was still seen out at parties, and this summer the media was licking their chops. They knew they were going to get him. Oh, he had months off. Months to himself. He has to slip up. We have to fulfill the narrative. We can't leave the public hanging. We've already gotten this far. We gotta finish the job. So earlier this summer, he leaves the Archie Manning quarterback camp early after he oversleeps and misses a meeting. What's up with that? Well, it's later revealed that Manziel was out partying on Bourbon Street the night before. The camp, of course, is in the New Orleans area. So he overslept and missed 64-year-old Archie Manning's quarterback camp where he was a counselor. He missed a morning meeting. What a travesty. Those poor kids who enrolled in that camp, waiting for a chance to get to learn the quarterback position with the Heisman Trophy winner, Johnny Manziel. And Manziel, the reckless, deviant person he is, parties in New Orleans the night before. Who, who does that, right? Sleeps a little late and misses a morning meeting. Keep in mind, Manziel didn't send himself home. He was sent home. Who was he sent home by? Not Archie Manning. Not Peyton Manning. Not Eli Manning. No. He was sent home by Dartmouth coach Buddy Tevens, who was in charge of the quarterbacks and was upset Manziel didn't stick to his rigorous schedule. So it was this Dartmouth coach who sent Manziel home, not the people who ran the camp, not the Mannings, no, no, this nobody, Buddy Tevens. And again, if you just listen to the media, you thought Manziel sent himself home. No, he made a mistake, he overslept, but then he was sent home by this Buddy Tevens. And when confronted about this, Manziel reportedly lied to his parents. And lied to Archie Manning and said he overslept because, you know, he wasn't drinking. He was just tired or a little under the weather or something or whatever you say when you're hungover and don't want your parents to know about it. To me, that seems like fairly typical behavior. But okay, Manziel missed a, mer missed a meeting, was sent home from this meaningless quarterback camp. He's self-destructing before our eyes. All right. Then a few weeks later. He's thrown out of a University of Texas frat party. This actually happened last weekend. And was photographed at the University of Texas day drinking at a party and wearing a Tim Tebow New York Jets jersey. Which is hilarious, by the way. A couple days later, earlier this week, someone tweets at Manziel that his Heisman, uh, that his Heisman Trophy winning season was a fluke. And what does Manziel do? He replies to the hater with a picture of his Heisman Trophy, which again, I think is just hilarious. 
Now, yesterday, Tuesday, an article was published in ESPN the magazine in which Manziel's parents said they are worried about their son. Now, I don't know about you, but if my parents worried about me, they would, I don't know, call me, text me, try to talk to me directly. They wouldn't air their grievances in a magazine article. But okay, different strokes for different folks. In the article, Johnny's father, Paul, says that his son ate Skittles, drank beer, and won the Heisman last season. He expressed a lot of concern for his son, saying, quote, yeah, it could come unraveled, meaning his life. And when it does, it's going to be bad. Real bad. It's one night away from the phone ringing and he's in jail. And you know what he's going to say? It's better than all the pressure I've been under. This is better than that. So Paul Manziel fears every night he's going to wake up to a phone call that his son, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Johnny Manziel, is behind bars and happy about it. You know what? After going off that timeline of events I just read you, I don't blame Johnny Manziel if he'd be happier behind bars. He might as well be behind bars because he can't go anywhere without causing this massive controversy. And it's sick that a 20-year-old kid who just won the Heisman Trophy isn't allowed to go out in the offseason without pictures being tweeted of him and uptight sports commentators fanning outrage in concern about how unruly he is, how unruly he's acting by drinking beer at a frat party. Is he a little immature? Yes, he is. He responded to haters on Twitter. Yeah, he's immature. But here's a newsflash for you. Most college students and college athletes are. Well, Alex, if that's the case, how come Manziel seems to be one of the first ones who's being photographed at all these places, pictures of him being tweeted everywhere? Well, that's because, remember, Twitter is still a relatively new phenomenon. Manziel seems to be one of the few transcendent college stars who's this immature because he's one of the few transcendent college stars who's growing up in the era of Twitter which is still roughly five years old. Go back to 2005, 2006, 2007. Twitter was still in its infancy. It was not nearly the thing that it is now. It seems as if Manziel and some other athletes go out more and act recklessly than previous athletes, not because they are or they do, but because we just know more about them because of Twitter and other forms of social media, which is in our faces at all times. People have been saying that Johnny Manziel has this responsibility to be a leader. He's a leader, so he shouldn't be out getting drunk and thrown out of frat parties. He shouldn't then be day drinking. He's a leader. He shouldn't be going out on Bourbon Street and oversleeping and missing a meeting at a quarterback camp. He's a leader. And I say, he's a leader to what? What is Johnny Manziel a leader of? His only responsibility is to his football team. And if his performance tanks this year, then yeah, we can have a conversation about how Manziel's off-field habits may affect his on-field performance. 
And that's the same thing I've said about Rob Gronkowski. We can have that conversation if it turns out that Gronkowski's off-field habits affect his on-field performance. And I actually think Gronkowski's off-field habits affected, negatively affected, his recovery time from his forearm injury this offseason, which is why I was slightly critical of him. And if Manziel lays an egg this season and stinks up the place, then yeah, I'll be critical of him too for not taking his career seriously enough. But I'm not going to act all offended by it because it's his life, not mine. And no, I'm not fighting for Johnny, Manziel's to, for Johnny Manziel's right to party. I'm fighting for his right to live a normal life without angry, bitter, middle-aged men screaming at the top of their lungs on sports talk radio about how he's letting everybody down. Letting who down? And I know, I know. Alex, you say Johnny Manziel deserves to be a typical college kid. Well, guess what? He isn't a typical college kid. He gets to go to school for free. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean he should be hounded everywhere he goes. Johnny Manziel signed up to play football. He's going to school for free because he's a phenomenal football player. He didn't sign up to be leader of the free world or be a perfect role model. If you're telling your kid to look up to a 20-year-old college football player, then that's your problem. If you as a parent are telling your son, do you know how you should really emulate? You know who you need to look up to and be exactly like? See this 20-year-old kid on TV right now? See him? That's who you need to be like. No, no. Forget the President of the United States. Forget some great scholar. Forget Dr. King. Forget Gandhi. No, no. That kid right there. What's his name? Johnny Football. Manziel, yeah, that kid. That's who you need to be like. If you as a parent are telling your kid he or she needs to look up to a 20-year-old football player, then you as a parent have problems. That's not Johnny Manziel's issue. That's your issue. It's sickening. It really is. We enjoy nothing more than building someone up only to tear him down. Let's wait and see what happens with Johnny Manziel this season before we make grand proclamations about how he's thrown his career away. Right now, all he seems to be is a 20-year-old college kid who just won the Heisman Trophy and likes to go out in the offseason. And if you have a problem with that, you need to evaluate your life. And until you do that, you shouldn't be trying to evaluate someone else's. I haven't been worked up like that in a while. Thank you for letting me do that. Moving on to our third down segment. It's the Big Upper Slow Down segment where I say a statement and express my agreement or disagreement with that statement by saying Big Upper Slow Down. Topic number one, Vikings running back Adrian Peterson calls BS on leg pad complaints. Many players around the league are complaining about leg pads, how it may hinder their on-field performance, how it may slow them down. Peterson said, quote, it's like you're a National Football League player. If a pad that doesn't weigh but a couple of ounces slows you down, you don't need to be playing in the league. Like, come on now. Seriously. <laughs> Close quote. And Peterson is absolutely right. 
And players can't have it both ways here. Players want the game to be safer, but get upset when the league tries to implement policy policies that make it safer. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Either you want a safe league or you don't. It's like the ex-NFL players who complain about how the leagues become like flag football. They're saying that on one hand, but on the other hand, they're suing the league for not being safe enough when they played. Huh? Like these defensive players who complain about how they can't lead with their helmets anymore and they try to tackle somebody. Or they can't try to take a quarterback's head off anymore. Either you want a safer game or you don't. The NFL is far from perfect. But they're trying to make their game a little safer by implementing leg pads and other things of that like. And if players don't like that, that's fine. But then they also have to stop acting like safety is a priority of theirs. Because if you think you're going to be weighed down by leg pads that weigh a couple of ounces, then what are we talking about? What are we doing here? So I agree with Peterson. Enough with that. Those complaints, total BS. Now, Jets coach Rex Ryan said rookie cornerback Dean Milner is never going to be Darrell Revis. He also brushed off controversy this week that stemmed from reports that the quarterback decision for the Jets would be a collaborative process. Pick up or slow down, is Ryan a changed man? Is he handling himself well thus far in training camp? I say big up, yes. Thus far, Rex Ryan seems to be a little bit of a changed man. A little bit of a humbled man, either. I certainly know he's a leaner man. Rexy, looking good, huh? Maybe it's the return of sexy Rexy, huh? And for once, what I loved about his comments about rookie cornerback D. Milner is that for once, he's suppressing expectations. He's not raising expectations. When Rex Ryan goes out there, and says his team is going to make the Super Bowl. He's raising expectations on his players. He may be diverting attention away from them. But the expectations are raised when your head coach says it's Super Bowl or bust. And that's been one of Rex Ryan's bigger problems. At least in terms of dealing with the media since he became head coach of the Jets. He may deflect attention from his players at times, but at the same time, he increases the expectation, which in turn puts more pressure on them. So Rex Ryan, in a rare moment this week, actually suppressed expectations, saying Milner, in his rookie season, is not going to be Darrell Rivas, the best cornerback in the game, not going to come close, so stop asking those questions. It's not happening, and I'm not saying anything more about it. I'm not giving you any more. And it was great. Rex Ryan doing the right thing at the podium, at least through the first few days of training camp. Check back in a couple of weeks. Maybe his tune will have changed. Now, Browns offensive lineman Joe Thomas made headlines this week with some real controversial statements. He said playing for a losing football team is drudgery. He also said, and I'm paraphrasing here, nobody wants to play for a 4-12 team just as nobody wants to cover a 4-12 team. Joe Thomas is sick of the losing in Cleveland and doesn't know if he can take it and doesn't know if he'll be able to survive if it continues. Pick up or slow down is Thomas speaking out of turn. I say slow down. 
He is not speaking out of turn. You look at Joe Thomas. He's been to the Pro Bowl six times in six seasons. He's the highest paid offensive tackle in the league. Early on in his NFL career, he's accomplished just about everything a player could want to accomplish from an individual standpoint. Everything is going more than well for Joe Thomas. But yet, he's unhappy. He's borderline pissed off. And he's unhappy because he wants to play for a winner. And the Browns have not been a winner in his six years in the league. And isn't that what it's all about? Isn't it all about wanting to win? Individual accolades are second. It's all about winning, winning playoff games, winning a championship. I wish there were more Joe Thomases around. I actually found his comments to be refreshing. I really did. And that ties in perfectly to the Reamer rant in the fourth down segment this week about. Adrian Peterson, he was right on the money with his knee pad comments. Unfortunately, not on the money with his comments in which he said he would break Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record by week, by week 16 of 2017. Talked about how Joe Thomas is focused on team goals. Well, Adrian Peterson is focused on an individual goal, the all-time rushing record. And he even gave us an exact date, week 16, 2017, Mark your calendars. Peterson has 8,849 career yards rushing. He's targeting Smith's record of 18,355 career yards rushing. It is not smart for Peterson to draw an even bigger target on his back. And it's the wrong goal to have. The Vikings are just coming off a surprising playoff season. They made some big moves this offseason. Traded away Percy Harvin. They added Greg Jennings. Jared Allen is returning. That defense is returning. We'll see if they can improve from a season ago. That terrific pass rush they had. The NFC North. Could it be wide open? We'll see. Packers, Bears, a lot of good games there. Big year for the Lions as well, following the Stafford extension. Made the playoffs two years ago. Down last year. We'll see what they do in year three. Should be a very entertaining division, a very entertaining season for the Vikings. That is what Peterson should have his eyes on. Not this all-time rushing record. And oh, by the way, who cares about this stuff anyway? Who cares about the all-time rushing record? Who gets excited about that? It's a neat little side note, but it's not what it's all about. Football is the ultimate team game. And thus, all the goals should ultimately be about the team. All this individual stuff, all-time rushing record, all-time passing record, I couldn't care less. And it's a shame that Peterson's mindset seems to, seems to be the complete opposite of that. So thank you, as always, for tuning in to episode number 55 of the Football Nation Today podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer. As always, if you want to send me an email, shoot me a line, areamer at bu.edu is my email address, and also feel free to send me a follow on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my Twitter handle. I promise 
no pictures of me partying on there, just pictures of, uh, well, me really doing nothing. I don't post a lot of pictures. I have an Instagram, though, and I don't post anything on Instagram. Not even pictures of food. What, oh, don't even start on that. What's sadder? The people who post the pictures of the food or the people who like the pictures of the food? Still can't decide. I have an Instagram for a couple of months now. But follow me on Twitter. Do all that fun stuff. Love to go back and forth with people on there. It's good to get some interaction, you know? <laughs> but as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for comments. Always welcome the comments on the show on our show page at footballnation.com. We'll be back with more football talk next week. Preseason, not all that far away. As the days continue, getting more and more excited for football season. I know you are as well. We'll be back next Wednesday. Football Nation Today. Talk then.